Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Our title is Become a Team That Goes Back to Go Forward. Become a Team That Goes Back to Go Forward. And this will be a part one only because I have way too much to possibly put it into one podcast here. One of the core pillars of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship is going back to go forward and using and developing a genogram as a powerful, uh, life-changing tool to uh, build mature disciples as well as healthy leaders and healthy teams. And it really enables us to get at how our pasts and our uh, histories impact our relationships and our present leadership. But before I launch into this uh, wide topic, uh, let me mention that we are releasing today uh, on our website three training experiences for you to do with your team. And they're called Team Culture Essentials. They're, they're team building experiences uh, around three core themes. Uh, explore your genogram, rediscover Sabbath, and craft a rule of life. Now we've been working on, we've been working for six months to get this ready uh, for you to be able to download for free on the website. Uh, we know that the doing of the theology, experiencing the material uh, with a team is way more powerful than simply listening uh, to theology and, and even a podcast. So uh, we've been working 24 years creating experiences and now, you know, by the grace of God, we've got uh, a staff team building development uh, experiences here for you uh, to do with your staff, uh, with your team. Now, what happens, we get asked all the time to come and do staff developments with uh, church staffs or leadership teams. And when I, last year, when a, a church of several hundred staff asked me to come, which and I couldn't come, uh, they graciously agreed to send a video team to us in New York City. And so we filmed it. Uh, so I could do their staff training through these videos. And they reworked them so that we can now make them available to the whole world for free. And they come along with uh, handouts uh, for you as well. So the first is called Explore Your Genogram. The second is Rediscover Sabbath. And the third is Craft uh, Rule of Life. And we're just so excited about releasing these videos because it will give you a chance for your team to get on the same page and experience some transformation together, as well as then build a ministry of deeply changed people out of your own life and team. So go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team, and uh, you'll be able to click into that uh, material, emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. But for now, let's dive into our topic, which is become a team that goes back to go forward, part one. Now, over the years, Jerry and I have been with pastors and leaders, superintendents, bishops, monks, priests, spiritual directors, Christian therapists, etc. And we've become very aware of their disconnected spirituality or limited transformation. Much like Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, when, when Jesus says to him, how can it be that you, Israel's teacher, don't know these things about being born again? You're a leader in God's kingdom. And we often have the same experience. How can it be that We've got leaders in, in God's kingdom and yet have little or no emotional connection with their spouse or children or parents or siblings or even people in the congregation. Or how can it be you're a leader and yet you don't have emotional or physical intimacy with your spouse for weeks and months or even years? Or how can it be that you're a leader in God's kingdom and you're defensive and critical and judgmental and even unaware of why? Uh, or how can it be you're a leader in God's kingdom and yet avoid conflict at all costs or don't feel or grieve losses or disappointments? Or how can it be you're a leader in God's kingdom and don't experience play or rest or joy or don't listen to God regularly? How can you be a leader in God's kingdom and 
yet your finances are out of order and you're afraid of what others think and they're escaping pain through medicating through some kind of addiction. I mean, the list goes on. And uh, and so, again, this over this 17-year period, uh, of the first 17 years, that was Jerry and I. Uh, and so we actually sat, uh, hit our wall and sat in a therapist's office. I'll never forget it when this therapist in about a 10, 12, maybe 15-minute exercise did a little uh, genogram with us about how our parents did marriage and our grandparents did marriage and how we were doing our marriage. And I remember Jerry and I looking at each other in shock because we realized it was so obvious that our marriage wasn't that different than our parents or uh, even our grandparents, even though we were supposedly, um, we felt these, these great Christians, you know, emerging for our family. And so that got me on a journey uh, uh, in 1996, devouring family systems theories and you know, doing theological, biblical studies on the material, reading books like Generation to Generation by Edwin Friedman. And, and eventually I went and got a doctorate of ministry in family systems theory and marriage and family, uh, seeking to integrate uh, that into leadership and discipleship. And and actually, uh, this whole genogram, I found out, is a massive field. And uh, when I, in my doctoral program, we had a one-year assignment of interviewing every living member of our family uh about relationships and how people were connected or disconnected and how folks viewed our family and aunts, uncles, cousins. It was, it, it was a year project. It was, uh, it was devastating. You only do it if uh, you have to. Right? Uh, but it was, you know, again, life transforming. And so we've been, I've been working and we've been working with this genogram and going back to go forward, uh, paradigm shifting reality or truth uh, for 24 years now. And so it's got massive implications and my own preparation here, I had so many pages here and that's why I had to divide it up in, into two weeks. So our, our family of origin ha has enormous significance in our ability to function maturely on teams. Uh, and it has enormous significance in our ability to offer solid leadership uh, regardless of what system we're talking about, whether we're talking about a, your a ministry team maybe you're a part of, or your church or ministry as a whole, or your family, uh, in your marriage with your spouse, or parenting, or as a single person with your close friends, uh, go, your, your family of origin, uh, even how you function maturely with your, friend, with your friends, or in your neighborhood, or town, or any group of people that you are a part of. Because the extent to which you're able to define yourself in your family of origin is what enables us to have an increased capacity to do it well in any other relationship system that we are part of. And because that's because the family, the entire extended family that you're a part of over three to four generations is the primary, except in very rare instances, the most powerful group to which you will ever belong. And, uh, and these sins and blessings of our family have impact lasting for three to four generations. And, and, uh, and so coming out of that as members of the new family of Jesus and as leaders, we're able then to lead other people into the kind of freedom that God has for them uh, in Christ uh, as part of uh, his new family. But uh, people, and maybe some of you listening to this, are, are, are a bit resistant to going back. And, and people, the thought of it, uh, you often will find people are like, oh, I don't want to go there. And I think there's a few reasons for that. You know, often they, some don't want to go back because they believe that the love and the pain of the present, that they don't want to believe that the love and pain of the present is directly related to the love and pain of the past. Uh, 
which it is. Uh, they don't want to believe it. Uh, or they mistakenly believe that if I go back and start looking at some things and my history and how it's impacted me, it's going to involve more pain for me and not less. Uh, of course, mistaken belief. Or, or folks don't understand that the lack of emotional health or maturity is as damaging as smoking, smoking or obesity. And uh, the former Surgeon General of the United States, uh, Vivek Murthy, said that the reduction in lifespan for loneliness or lack of emotional connection is similar to that caused by smoking cigarettes, 15 cigarettes a day. And it's greater than the impact on life than obesity. Uh, now that's an interesting statistic. You know, it's been said that, you know, we talk a lot about, we want, we want to know our family's medical history. No, we need to know our family's emotional health history uh, because of its impact on us as well. And another reason people don't want to go back is they're just, they're not even conscious of sometimes bad memories. So why go back? And uh, they don't want to break this unspoken rule that don't talk bad about your family. And, and reality is we often usually remember things better than they are. Uh, and we get triggered and then those what's called implicit memories uh, then emerge. So anyway, I, I like what Dan Siegel once, once said. He says, if parents make, se make sense of their story in terms of the flaws and gaps and losses and blessings, it can totally change the outcome of the next generation. And that same thing applies to, to churches and teams. If we can make sense of our own stories, uh, we can totally change the outcome of the next generation as a gift that we can give uh, as a team. And the genogram is a tool to begin to gather pieces of that story, of our family history, because our history does not determine our future. Knowing our story and making sense of it will determine the future and then hopefully offering it to God, no matter how neglectful or abusive or inadequate it may have been. And again, the story of Joseph is, is an incredible model for us as he had a tremendous pain, but yet he's able to offer it to God and he ends up being a blessing to nations. And one of the most loving things that I can ever do for myself and others is to make sense of the story of my life. And one of the most loving things you could ever do uh, for yourself and those you serve and your team is to make sense of your life. And I know that uh, for Jerry and I, the work we've done has changed our children's lives and they're now young adults. Uh, and God's enabled us to become partners with him in our own transformation. It's been wonderful. And so doing something like a genogram, again, there's different levels of doing it, and uh, it gives us a big picture. It, it provides what uh, has been called the overview effect in astronomy. Now, astronauts have something to teach us here. In 1968, when the Apollo 8 went to the moon, they didn't land on it, but they circled it. But it was the first time that they were able to send a picture back to Earth uh, of that you could see Earth hanging in space. It had such a profound effect on them that it became known as the overview effect. And they, they wrote things uh, and said things like this. When we originally went to the moon, our total focus was on the moon. We weren't thinking about looking back at the earth. But now that we've done it, that may well have been the most important reason we went. Another astronaut said, it was quite a shock. I don't, I don't think any of us had any expectations about how it would be to get such a different perspective. Suddenly, we looked back at ourselves and it seemed to imply a new kind of self-awareness. Another astronaut wrote this. He goes, leaving the earth and rising above it brought a whole new perspective into life. And they were changed by it. Uh, they were more full of life, softer, more kind and patient, less anxiety and depression. Well, in EH Discipleship, uh, going back to go forward, doing a genogram of our families, uh, doing that with, as a team on a leadership level is like getting the overview effect. It gives us the opportunity to step away from our world that we're so immersed in day in and day out, step back and get perspective. 
And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you about five uh, kind of ways into this and what's involved in doing it. Uh, and then I'm going to invite you to do a, uh, you know, join that team exercise and do an actual genogram yourself as a, uh, and perhaps with your team uh, to go forward into all that God has for you. So I'm going to, again, work my thoughts around these five themes and of what's involved in going back to go forward. The first is identifying how your family shaped you. Identifying how your family shaped you. And that, that's this involves leading people to do a simple genogram uh, of their families going back three to four generations in which God has placed them. Now, if you've done or if you've been involved in the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course, which is a discipleship course for, uh, uh, for everybody in the church, uh, in both parts of the course, we expose people to genograms. Uh, and actually, they do a basic genogram in the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. But we also have a genogram that's particular, it's a little higher level, and it's aimed at leaders, uh, a little more intense, a little bit more far-reaching, because we're the ones leading the church uh, in teams of leadership. Uh, and that's what we're making available to you through these uh, team culture essentials uh, on our website. Uh, and so the kind of questions we want to get at as we're identifying how our family shaped us are things like, uh, you know, describe your parents and grandparents uh marriage or relationships? And how is conflict handled in your family? How about anger and tensions? Uh, how'd your family talk about feelings? How'd you do feelings like sadness and fear and anger? Uh, how was sexuality talked about or not talked about? What were the implied messages? Uh, were there any family secrets that uh, things like incest or major financial scandals or pregnancy out of wedlock? What was considered success in your family? How was money handled? Uh, holidays? How about relationship with the extended family? How'd your family's ethnicity shape you? Were there any heroes or scapegoats in your family or losers? And why was that? How about addictions? Were there any in your family over generations? Uh, what were traumatic losses in your past or present, such as sudden deaths or prolonged illnesses or bankruptcy or divorce or miscarriages? And how was birth? How has your birth order affected you? Maybe you were an only child or a firstborn or a middle child or, or youngest. And the list goes on. And again, depending on the level of depth, you'll want to probe. Uh, but that's important getting into all that and having a bit of structure on how to do it. And the genogram is exploring your genogram will, will get you there, get you started in a significant way. But the second is discerning the major influences in your life. You know, we're, we're shaped by significant events like divorces and sexual or emotional or physical abuse or addictions or lengthy periods of unemployment or a particular betrayal. And the question to ask is, what are a few events or people that have impacted who I am today and that help me understand, you know, what makes me tick, what, what triggers me? You know, for example, I think of, you know, one young lady, Joan, who a turning point in her life was as a junior high student, uh, got involved with some folks and, and ended up in a life of drug addiction and N.A. for life and uh, that that. A tremendous rejection. And it really shaped her as a uh, middle-aged adult. Uh, but understanding that history is, is incredibly helpful for uh, those of us who are close to her. Jerry and I uh, were uh, friends uh, with a Cambodian couple that uh, were very, very young when the genocide happened in that country. But they were so impacted by the trauma and the aftermath of war in their countries. And uh, they would have panic attacks and outbursts of anger, for example, at the most odd moments, uh, not just in their relationship, but in also in, in, in conflicts and tensions. But their history was key to understanding who, who they are. Uh, another fellow uh, we knew quite well who's, who was wrongly classified as mentally challenged 
uh, for the first uh, 10 to 12 years of his life, but he was actually just dyslexic. And so that so impacted his self-image that as a, a very intelligent, uh, you know, middle-aged man uh, with a career, had so many challenges of self-image to work through. Uh, another, you know, call him, you know, John's involvement, he was a soldier in Vietnam, uh, had a real embittered attitude towards authority, but it made some sense when you knew a bit of his history. I think, of, uh, you know, Jane was a professional musician in a dog-eat-dog -dog world of music where you have to be perfect uh, with yourself and in your music. And, and so it has a tremendous struggle of, of dealing with grace, God's grace and love in Jesus. Or, you know, another good friend of ours who went away to boarding school for, you know, 12 years as a, as a you know, young child and into young teenage years and, and uh, has a hard time developing close relationships. Um, but again, it comes from out of history. And that's again why, why Genogram is such a critically important discipleship tool because so most, most folks in our churches are severely unaware of how the past has impacted them. Uh, and so the people are listening to messages, Bible messages, week in and week out about God's will and God's script for their lives, but they're still living their family and are unaware of it. And and so for us in leadership, it's so critical that we go back to go forward in, a, in a, even a larger way than I would say the rank and file person in our churches, because why? Because we're the ones leading the way. Uh, because a genogram can be like a floodlight. It's like a spotlight uh, on the family. And, and actually you can you know, focus a, a, that spotlight on specific areas. And so we, we created an, a, a whole different genogram exercise just around how your family did emotional connection and love. Because uh, we're wired for emotional connection. It's in the fabric of our DNA. And uh, and so we look at the two powerful effect, factors of how'd your family do comfort in your family of origin and how'd you do safety. And so we got a series of questions that we'll ask people about, you know, how were you, how were you comforted as a child when you experienced distress, when you cried or had anger or were hurt? And and how do you comfort people in distress today? And and how was safety expressed in your family? Voice, gestures, body posture, and and what made you feel unsafe at home growing up? And how do you experience your environment today, you know, in terms of your friendships and, and safety? And uh and again, so so that, that's why this issue of Helping people emotionally connect, and which is the heart of Jesus' ministry, is called as love. You know, attaching appropriately uh, is such a large uh, family of origin issue, and such an important, critical piece of growing as a mature disciple of Jesus. That one half of the EH discipleship course is on relationships, because so few folks have done even work on that. So we talk about identifying how your family shaped you, discerning major influences in your life, and, and thirdly, then, then. Uh, as a team, doing your genogram, okay, you do it, and then you share it with one another. Uh, so you actually get to know each other as a team and your vulnerabilities and your strengths and, and your struggles and weaknesses. And so imagine, I, you know, I, I, I was part of teams decades before I actually ever understood how my past impacted my present. So here I was. I'm, I'm, I've been. On, I was on teams for years. I, I led led teams. Uh, I didn't do conflict. Why? Because my family didn't do conflict. I never saw it done. Uh, well, so I wasn't honest with people and didn't speak clearly and honestly and respectfully. I just avoided it. Uh, I overfunctioned I, because I didn't like conflict. I didn't want to have to confront people when they weren't maybe doing their role or responsibility. And, and so I would do it for them. And I just wanted to fix everybody and make it all good. And uh, I wanted people to feel good around me because my whole life was making my mom feel good out of 
uh, you know, her mental illness and inability to take care of herself. And so that over-functioning was such a part of my DNA that I just did it everywhere and on our, uh, in my leadership and in, in our teams. And it really wasn't helpful in developing a mature team at all. And then I came out of a family where workaholism was in the DNA uh, for men. And so until I got aware of this stuff, I the teams I led, we worked hard and uh, we didn't do rest and slowness and uh, Sabbath and fun and recreation. Uh, my drivenness came from a deep place of partly out of the abuse, but uh, clearly out of the workaholism that was part of my family DNA and all the men, uh, most of the men. And then I was lowly differentiated, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but I very low differentiation. And again, that made my leadership confusing, impacted my marriage, impacted our teams, impacted our family. And so each one of us who are uh, in leadership has to ask ourselves repeatedly before God, the difficult question is how much of our family history might be running the church uh, or team that God's entrusted to my care or God, the team that God's called me to be a part of. And I just mentioned, you know, just, just, you know, very briefly in the uh, team experience uh, video, which is, you know, the genogram highlights our vulnerabilities and our shadow. And so as, as functioning as a team, you want to say, do I know the vulnerabilities, uh, my vulnerabilities, and do I know the vulnerabilities of others on my team? Uh, because the degree to which you do your own work, the better team member you're going to be. And if you know the vul- vulnerabilities of others on your team, you can be much more gracious, kind, sensitive, patient. And uh, I like to ask the question, based on the on your family of origin, what does someone need to ask you every week? Uh, based on your family of origin, what does someone need to ask you every week? And so for me, it was, it, 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 in the early years, so I got into all this work, it was um, how I was balancing work and rest. Uh, and secondly was... Uh, my marriage, or they putting my marriage first after my, as core to my following of Jesus, my relationship with him, because that wasn't, and that was a huge paradigm shift for me and my family. So, but it's a fourth uh, dynamic as you think about building a team going back to go forward is remembering that uh, genogramming our families or working our genogram is something we continue to do at every stage of life. It's not something we, we do at once. I check, done. It's a, it's a paradigm. It's a life-changing paradigm. Because I understand that my Christian life is I, I've, I've left my family of origin. I'm now in the new family of Jesus. My first loyalty is to him. And I'm living uh, the unique destiny he has for me. And so I, I've got to, well, as I get stuck along the way, or I'm just, I don't just unconsciously do things because my family of origin did it. Because I'm, I'm seeking to be under Jesus and do life his way. And so right now, even as I'm a, I'm a parent of four adult daughters, uh, two of my daughters are married. I've got two grandchildren. And... The way I relate to my uh, son-in-laws, and just very interesting, Jerry and I had a discussion a couple weeks ago about having our own direct relationship with one of our son-in-laws uh, versus going through our daughter, which is, of course, all that we all each had seen in our family. And uh, again, what's, how's God inviting us to do it differently uh, in our family, even to how we our Jerry and our expectations in our marriage as we're now in our 36th year of marriage and how we go into uh, this stage of our lives because we're not... You know, we're in full-time ministry. We believe until we die, we don't, quote, retire, but we transition uh, the kind of work we're doing for Jesus and what that looks like. And um, we want to be, you know, we're not, we don't want to get caught up with the culture's concern about security and simply physical health. We want to feed those God has given us. Uh, Matthew 24, the end of that chapter and that parable about 
being faithful to feed those whom God has put before you. And uh, we're very aware, we're like Moses looking over the Jordan River and uh, we're going to get a group together and talk about it this coming week about, you know, we can see so much of vision for the future. We're not the ones who are going to go build it for the next generation, but we're going to look behind us and serve hopefully those who are going to go into on the other side of the Jordan. And so, um, and then fifthly, just fifth, fifth thing as you think about going back to go forward and as a team is that growing and differentiation is one of the most important gifts that you can give your team and those you serve. Now, differentiation is a large concept. It means remaining connected to people, yet not allowing my reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. So I'm connected, I'm not cut off, but I'm not allowing my behaviors or reactions to be determined by them. And we see this beautifully in Jesus in the 12, um, with his family, with the Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, we see this with David brilliantly in 1 Samuel 17, his differentiation to uh, charge Goliath and do it in a new way with his slingshot and stones and take the armor off and just fight differently. And uh, he's just connected, but he's separate. He's highly differentiated. And and so, uh, again, this was developed by Murray Bowen. And uh, it's, a, it's a large, uh, it's a wonderful way of looking at maturity in uh, uh, ourselves and our ability to stay connected to people yet be separate. Uh, and move into our true self over and against our, our false self. And because uh, most of us, most of our lives is a false self reflected from other people. And uh, we get very anxious when uh, things are not going well. And we end up imitating other people and change ourselves so that people will like us and accept us and we want to get validation so badly. And thus we're devastated by criticism and we get really sore with compliments. And sometimes we don't make good decisions under stress because. Uh, the stress just gets to us and, our, and we just get emotionally driven and we just don't make good decisions. And so part of growing and differentiation is a lifelong journey. Uh, I mean, Jesus was the only one who was 100% differentiated. And so uh, we want to get to a place where, where our solidness and we're able to say, this is what I believe, what I stand for, and what I will or will not do in any given situation over and against a reflected self. I, I like... Um, you know, as we do this kind of family of origin work, there's there's, a, there's so many benefits. And I want to mention, just, just closing here, just eight of them, uh, to hopefully motivate you uh, to do them. This, come, this is an adaptation from Ronald Richardson's book, Becoming a Healthier Pastor. Ronald Richardson, Becoming a Healthier Pastor. And I think I got three or four, maybe five of them from him, but there's eight here. If you'll take this journey uh, of you know, do the team experience called Team Culture Essential on Explore Your Genogram. And I want to encourage you to really go to our website and get that, uh, emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. Get the handouts, get your team together and actually do it. But here's the kind of benefits that will come forth for your team. One is you'll have a better, uh, you'll have a better sense of you're, that you're in charge of your own life and thus you'll be less anxious. You'll have a better sense of being more in charge of your life and less anxious. Secondly, you're experiencing a greater acceptance of self as, as, as you are, as we are, my limits and, and my strengths. Thirdly, I'm able to grieve the parts of my history that I wish could have been different, let them go, and, and thus they can become actually a blessing to me. And I think Joseph is the great example of that. Fourthly, I, I can have a clearer and stronger ability to love other people, to be together with them and yet be separate not be so afraid of being swallowed up that I got to like run away from people, but I can be, I'm better able to love people with a clearer and stronger ability. Fifthly, I, I'm able to discover a clearer sense of my own convictions and values 
willing to and willing to stand up for them non-reactively. Uh, I can I get a clearer sense of these are my values, these are my convictions, and I can stand up for them without being oppositional uh, or reactive to other people. Sixthly, I, I'm able to manage my separateness and togetherness in the body of Christ better. Uh, in the wider church, with other leaders, with my team, I'm able to manage it and 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 cut that needle really well uh, in, in in community. Seventhly, I, I'm able to be more thoughtful and intentional uh, about the goals uh, of my life. I'm able to be more thoughtful and intentional about the goals of my life, and I can add again, and less anxious. But finally, the eighth one is this. I am less anxious and more patient uh, because I can slow down and be more intentional. I'm actually, there's less anxiety and a greater ability to be patient and wait on the Lord. So with that, uh, again, I, as I mentioned earlier when we started this, uh, this is a massive topic. Next week I will uh, expand on this and its implications for uh, wider going back to go forward, genogram for... Um, you know, our churches, our ministries, our countries, our, our communities, it's just there's so much and how we as pastors and leaders and teams have the ability to actually step in and really bring people forward uh, in their growth in Christ. So again, let me encourage you to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team and download the free uh, team culture essentials, these, these three experiences to build your team. There's handouts to go with it. Uh, they've already been used. They've been tremendous with teams. Like basically, you're inviting me to your team of three or five or ten or or fifty or a hundred, and uh, it'll lead you into actually experiencing some of the things we talked about here in the podcast. So thank you so much. It's been so good to be with you today, and uh, I'm overflowing here uh, with many more pages of notes and thoughts. But God bless everybody. Have a great day, and may the Lord be with you. I look forward to seeing you next week. Take care. 